And now, from the palatial living room studios of the Corbett Report, it's time for the fourth annual Fake News Awards. Bringing you the absolute worst in media from 2020. From the fake news of the lying shills to the most disgusting propaganda to fall out of the mouths of the corporate prostitutes and government toadies over the course of the past year. These awards are brought to you by tonight's sponsors. Galactic Emperor Klaus Schwab. In short, we need a great reset. His most high overlord and renowned Nobel Prize winning medical researcher, Bill Gates. Maybe we shouldn't call the vaccine the final solution. Maybe just the Good best point. solution. <laughs> and Microsoft. Just don't ask us about the creepy spirit cooking ad. And now, here's your host for tonight's festivities. The one. The only. Me. That's right, folks. James Corbett here, CorbettReport.com, coming to you, as always, from the sunny climes of Western Japan, here on the 15th day of January 2021, and you are tuned into episode 393 of the Corbett Report podcast, the fourth annual Fake News Awards. And I hope you're up to speed on this annual podcast by now, but if not, fret not, I will put the links to the previous three editions of this award ceremony in the show notes so you can see how this functions. But Long story short, this isn't complicated. This is the award show where I dishonor the most egregious purveyors of propaganda, the largest disseminators of fake news, the most mendacious liars in the dinosaur media from the past year. And as always, there is no shortage of nominations that could be made for just ridiculous mockingbird repeater propaganda nonsense that has been foisted on the public in the course of 2020. So we have a lot of different, at least potential, nominations and candidates and awards that could be given out tonight. Let's see what actually will be awarded to these recipients of shame. And as always, we are handing out the dinos, which is the representation of what the dinosaur media actually is since the comet strike of the internet a couple of decades ago, has essentially rendered the dinosaur media extinct. They just haven't quite realized it yet, but I think we're on that cusp by now. What do you think? As the alternative media explodes and people more and more see through the mockingbird prostitute media and see it for what it is... And see it for what it is, because it is actually surprisingly terrible at what it does. Its entire raison d'etre is to foist garbage, nonsense, BS at the public and make them believe it. (laughs) They're not very good at that, I would say, considering the various awards that we have in store for you tonight. So, let's get straight into the presentation of the first award. And tonight's first award will dishonor the worst acting in a TV news production in 2020. And the award goes to Matt Hancock crying over William Shakespeare. Who's just said his first words. Let's take a listen to this. (laughs) Who are you? Mention number two. Uh, (laughs) Groundbreaking, I think. Uh, 
he, he could, could make a difference to our lives from now on, couldn't he? I mean, just simple words there, reacting it. You're quite emotional about that. Well, it's just, uh, it's been, you know, it's been such a tough year for so many people and there's William Shakespeare putting it so simply for everybody that, you know, we can get on with our lives and, and you know, there's still a few months to go. I've still got this worry that we can't blow it now, Piers. We've still got to get the vaccine to millions of people and so we've got to keep sticking by the rules. But... It's just, you know, there's so much work gone into this, and I'm really, really, it makes you proud to be British. It does, and how odd that he's called William Shakespeare. <laughs> I know. Or perhaps that wasn't a coincidence. I mean, he's got to be related, isn't he? He's from Warwickshire. I mean, they must, he must be. <laughs> it's just, it's just been such a tough year for so many people. <laughs> And after 400 years in the grave, I'm so glad that William Shakespeare could come and comfort us all with his wise words. What was that? What planet does Matt Hancock come from? Yes, for those not in the know, that is the UK health minister, the man whose very job is to lie to the British public and sell the scandemic to them. It he literally does this for a living, and yet he seemingly can't emulate the natural human act of crying. Has he ever seen a human being crying before? If you go by that clip, the answer definitely seems to be no. And the only question is, what kind of android reptilian psychopath from Mars is Matt Hancock? That was an atrocious display of poor acting on his part, and anybody in the television audience who watched that with a straight face or did not question what they were seeing probably aren't human themselves. Having said that, extra points to the uh, to the other anchor for pointing out that, oh, <laughs> and William Shakespeare, that's, that's probably not a coincidence. Yeah, yeah, you think? You think these types of things are scripted and you think that they carefully plan what they're going to indoctrinate the public with beforehand? Yes. Case in point, that clip. All right, before we move on, I'll just, before I throw this dino in the trash where it belongs, uh, I should just uh, make note that uh, all of the clips and all of the various things that we talk about here uh, will, of course, be linked in the show notes. You can go and view them for them in their entirety, in their context, and what have you. Um, but, wow, what an egregious display of acting by the UK health minister there. Well, let's move on to... Uh, let's pivot from the worst acting of the scamdemic to the best acting in the scamdemic. Yes, tonight's second dino, the second award, will go to best acting by an actor in a fake and staged scamdemic. And of course, the dishonor will go to Governor Andrew Cuomo for his scripted scamdemic unreality show of 2020. What an honor and pleasant surprise during these hard times. I thank the International Academy and Bruce Paisner for this incredible award. Thank you to all the members of the Academy. Your work has brought smiles and hope and relief for so many people during these difficult days. I wish I could say that my daily COVID presentations were well choreographed, scripted, rehearsed, or reflected any of the talents that you advance. They didn't. They offered only one thing, authentic truth and stability. 
authentic truth and stability. <laughs> what a corker. <laughs> and did you hear the way that he delivered that zinger? I mean, straight, bold-faced lie right to the camera, totally deadpan. What amazing acting. Unless, I mean, unless he really actually takes himself seriously. But no, no, surely not. Authentic truth and stability. This is the same Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York who, for example, literally spread fake news about the scourge of deadly religious gatherings in New York, and they're they're going to cause the next super spreader event using literal fake news, showing images of religious gatherings from 2006 and pawning them off as if this is the what's happening out on the streets of New York right now, guys. No, 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 not that Andrew Cuomo. Not the Andrew Cuomo who canceled Thanksgiving and told New Yorkers to stay home and don't go outside of your family for this Thanksgiving. You know, do your part because of this scourge that's killing us all. Except for his family, of course. Yeah, it was only when there was a huge backlash around his admitted plans. He freely admitted, yeah, he was going to have his extended family over for dinner on Thanksgiving. Of course he was. It was only when there was a huge backlash about the blatant, bold-faced hypocrisy of this lockdown for thee, but not for me. Of course, my family's going to have Thanksgiving as usual, that he was forced to cancel the plan. Oh, oh, sorry. Was there something wrong with me having different rules than you little peons? Because just like every other psychopath, he seems to think that the rules don't apply to him. Authentic truth and stability. Yes, the same... Governor Cuomo, who ordered nursing homes to accept sick patients back into the nursing homes to jack up the death rates to something over 8,201. We know that many died in the nursing homes last year, but we won't know how many more died as a result of that decision, at least not for a few more months, because, well, Cuomo has ordered the state not to say. Yes, no, you don't get to know that sort of information. Of course, thus jacking up the death rates, which caused the entire hype and hysteria about the New York hotspot oh, this killer virus is tearing through New York because of the actions of Governor Cuomo. Oh, and by the way, now he denies it ever happened, and the dutiful fact-checkers over at PolitiFact and the other mouthpieces of the mainstream media and deep state are happy to oblige him in that. Yes, it's false. Governor Cuomo did nothing wrong, I tell you. Nothing wrong. Authentic truth and stability, indeed. Yes, for your disgusting acting during this television production of the scandemic, Governor Cuomo. You deserve this dino of shame. You probably deserve much more than this, but this is all I have to offer today, so you will be receiving this for your efforts. Let's move along to the next award. And the next award comes in the category of the fakest fact check, which goes to Fact Check NI for Can you generate a positive result for COVID-19 from an RT-PCR test? Now, of course, I'll link up this whole fact check from the good fact checkers over at Fact Check Northern Ireland for you. But uh, let's read through some of the important excerpts from this together. The universal standard when testing for the virus that causes COVID-19 is to use a maximum of 40 cycles of amplification as part of the RT-PCR process. 
If a positive signal is detected with more than 40 cycles of amplification, this would be reported as a negative test. Neither of the claims about Carrie Mullis in the piece that they're examining here in this fact check are true. Reverse transcription polymerase chain reaction, RT-PCR, is a laboratory technique used to test for a positive diagnosis of COVID-19. A Facebook post claims that the settings used can be made to generate a positive result. If people test themselves at, say, 60 to 65 cycles of application, then I will test positive and so will everyone else. The post also attributes claims by the inventor of the RT-PCR testing technique, Kerry Mullis, stated his test cannot be used to diagnose infectious diseases at all. He was adamantly opposed to his test being used for COVID-19 right up to the point of his death. Claim 1. A high number of amplification cycles used in an RT-PCR test will lead to a positive diagnosis of COVID-19. Inaccurate, according to the fact-checkers at FactCheckNI. Real-time RT-PCR is the preferred method of testing for a positive diagnosis of COVID-19 in the NHS, as is the case across the world. It is one of the fastest and most accurate laboratory methods for detecting the SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus, the virus that causes COVID-19. Typically, the process is to go through 40 cycles which will create billions of copies of any viral DNA strand in the sample. As new copies of viral DNA are made, these will release a fluorescent dye, which can be monitored in real time by the person running the test. Okay, let's stop there. I mean, there's more to debunk here, but let's stop right there. Sorry, nope. Fact check NI, you have it factually wrong. You are spreading fake news and misinformation through your fact check. Because, look... I'm not even going to cite the crazy conspiracy theorists over at, say, offguardian.org that had an excellent article about this months and months and months and months ago, early on in the scamdemic, blowing the whistle about this particular trick up the scamster's sleeves. Are PCR tests scientifically meaningless? Spoiler, yes, they are. No, I'm not even going to cite those crazy conspiracy theorists who were right all along. Surprise, surprise. No, I'm going to cite the the arbiters of truth, the WHO. I can only say WHO approved information, right? Well, the WHO has come out to admit, yes, yes, high cycle thresholds give po- false positives, and we have to be concerned about that. That's why we should set the cycle to a rate to 35. Yeah, yeah, you think so? No, okay. You don't like the WHO? Then I'll cite the other Lord God Emperor and Arbiter of all that is true and false during these scamdemic times, Tony Fauci. What is now sort of uh, evolving into a bit of a standard that if you get a cycle threshold of 35 or more that the chances of it being replication competent are minuscule. Mm. So that if somebody, and you know, we do, we have patients, and it's very frustrating for the patients as well as for the physicians. Somebody comes in and they repeat their PCR and it's like 37 cycle threshold. But you never, if you almost never can culture virus yeah. from a 37 threshold cycle. So the, I think if somebody does come in with 37, 38, even 36, you got to say, you know, it's just it's just dead nucleotides, period. Now, as I know you know, dear faithful listeners of The Corbett Report, I am not holding Tony Fauci up as any sort of arbiter of truth on anything. But uh, the fact checkers of the fake news peddling scam fact check industry that has become so prevalent online in recent years and which I exposed in episode 
381 of the Corporate Report podcast on who will fact check the fact checkers certainly does hold Fauci up as an arbiter of truth who cannot be questioned or you will be scrubbed from the internet. So I hereby submit that fact check and I should be scrubbed from the internet for daring to go against Tony Fauci and what he says about the test cycle threshold and where it should be placed. No, 40 is not what the, the, what is being peddled these days by the WHO or Fauci or anyone else. So fact check and I factually incorrect in their fact check. Surprise, surprise. But it gets worse. It goes on. They talk about claim two in this piece that they're supposedly debunking, where they say, Kerry Mullis, the inventor of the PCR technique, said that the RT-PCR cannot be used to diagnose infectious diseases at all. Reuters fact-checkers found that the quote undermining PCR tests was misattributed to Mullis and was taken out of context. The claim is inaccurate. And claim three, Kerry Mullis was opposed to RT-PCR testing being used to test for COVID-19 before his death. Inaccurate. Kerry Mullis died on 7th of August 2019, months before the first case of COVID-19 was reported to the World Health Organization in December of that year. Case closed. Nope, sorry, once again, factually incorrect. Firstly, of course, they point to a Reuters fact check, which... It's Reuters. How could it be wrong? They definitively debunked this silly claim that Mullis was apparently uh, trying to undermine the idea that PCR can be used for diagnostic purposes. Posh. And the Reuters fact check, when you go through that link and go into that fact check uh, fake news, uh, you will find them weirdly enough, scrabbling to try to find some piece that was published in 1996 or something regarding HIV that Mullis was talking about at the time, and it it seems this might be a genuine quote, although we can't verify it ourselves, but it was published in a reputable way, so maybe this claim, but it doesn't talk about what they say that it's talking about. What hogwash? Again, Reuters fact-checkers, the crack squad, can maybe find some reference that was published in print 25 years ago, maybe, but it doesn't quite relate to what's talking. Wait, wait, how about anyone on the internet can look it up in three seconds for themselves and find out in his own words exactly what Kerry Mullis, the inventor of the RT-PCR technique, had to say about its use for diagnostic purposes? Kerry, how do they um, misuse PCR to estimate uh, all these so- supposed free viral RNAs that may or may not be there? Uh, it's, um, I think misuse PCR is not quite... I don't think you can misuse PCR. No, the results, the interpretation of it. See, if you, if you, if you can say, if, if, if they wanted... If, if they could find this virus in you at all, and with PCR, if you do it well, you can find almost anything in anybody. It starts making you believe in the sort of Buddhist notion that everything is contained in everything else, right? I mean, because if you can mo- amplify one single molecule up to, a, to something that you can really measure, which PCR can do, then there's just very few molecules that you don't have at least one single one of them in your body, okay? So that could be thought of as a misuse of it just to to claim that it's meaningful. Hmm. So I wonder why Reuters and Fact Check and I and these other fact checkers don't want you to actually listen 
to the actual documentable words of someone like Carrie Mullis. They just want you to take their word for it. Oh, that's misattributed. That's that's wrong. Why would they try to keep you away from this information? What is it? What what is it about humanity that that that, that wants to go to the, all the details and stuff and listen? You know, these guys like Fauci get up there and start talking. You know, he doesn't know anything really about anything, and I'd say that to his face. Nothing. The man thinks you can take a blood sample and stick it in an electron microscope, and if it's got a virus in there, you'll know it. He doesn't understand electron microscopy, and he doesn't understand medicine. And he, doesn't, he should not be in a position like he's in. Most of those guys up there on the top are just total administrative people, and they don't know anything about what's going on at the bottom. You know, those guys have got an agenda, which is not what we would like them to have, being that we pay for them to take care of our health in some way. They've got a personal kind of agenda. They make up their own rules as they go. They change them when they want to. And they smugly, like Tony Fauci, does not mind going on television in front of the people who pay his salary and lie directly into the camera. Oh, that's right. That's because the plainly visible evidence that you can hear and see for yourself, documented on videotape of Kerry Mullis saying such things, goes against what the fact-checkers want you to believe, so they'll just pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah, we were able to dig up some quote that was attributed to him sometime 25 years ago in print, but he didn't really say that. Trust us. <laughs> oh, yeah? How about, how about that video? Huh? Fact-check that. Reuters? Oh, you're not going to, because you are fake news peddlers whose entire raison d'etre is to stop people from thinking for themselves. Don't worry, we've fact-checked this. We've debunked it for you. You don't have to worry your pretty little head about such things. We we looked into it, and we found that those those mean people on the internet are lying, so don't believe them. <sighs> Indeed. Well, again... You can believe them, or you can believe your own lying eyes, and you get to choose. Um, but before you do so, I hope you will examine episode 381 of my podcast, where I go through the fact-checking industry as it has developed, and talk about the funding for where these fact-checkers get their money, and how that influences what is going on here. No, of course, they're all above the fray. There's no such thing going on. Anyway, I'll... I'll leave that for you to investigate further if you haven't yet done so, but not before addressing the other part of the claim, which is a complete straw man that Fact Check NI is attempting to debunk here, that Kerry Mullis never said anything about COVID-19 because he died before the first reported cases. Okay, yeah, I have not once, never, in all of my travels on the internet, found anyone who claimed that Kerry Mullis said anything specifically about SARS-CoV-2 or COVID-19. I have seen a lot of speculation about the interesting timing of his death coming just months before, as Fact Check and I notes, just months before COVID-19 and the entire scamdemic that was based on these faulty interpretations of PCR testing and uh, results. Uh, just convenient timing of his death. That That is interesting in and of itself. But at any rate, whether that was a completely natural death or not, uh, no, of course, no one is claiming that he was specifically talking about SARS-CoV-2 or the scamdemic that happened after he died. No one. That is a straw man. No. The only claim I've ever seen in my travels online is that, hey, here's the guy who invented the PCR saying that it can be wildly misinterpreted and used for particular agendas. And there you go. There's There he is saying it in his own words. Don't listen to me saying it. Listen to him. 
Anyway, I, I think this goes to prove the point that fact checkers, generally speaking, are there to stop you from thinking rather than to help you to think and will actively preclude information from your attention when it goes against their narrative or makes them uncomfortable. Uh, and there are many, many, many examples of that from this past year. The fact check and I just happens to win for this particular entry, but many, many others could have been nominated or won. If you want one particular example, how about factcheck.org's new coronavirus wasn't predicted in simulation, which I did note in episode 381 and debunked there. So that could serve as a runner up for this award. But let's move on to the next award because we have many to dole out this evening. The next award in this ceremony is for Fear Porn Story of the Year. And the award goes to the New York Post for NYC may temporarily bury coronavirus victims on Heart Island. Yes, you may recall, if you were paying attention back in the early days of the scamdemic, the, oh my god, so many people are dying in New York. So many Millions, hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands, lots of people are dying. Just trust us, don't look for the numbers. So many people are dying, dropping like flies, that we are now having to take these extraordinary steps and just burying them in parks and stuff because the dead bodies are just piling up everywhere. You might have recalled seeing those types of stories and the, the ominous footage always taken with shaky cell phone camera of someone freaking out, oh my god, look at this, guys, and they're just wheeling the the the, the bodies, I guess, for the covered up whatever it was into these freezer trucks because again just bodies piling up everywhere although strangely this wave of deaths knee-deep in bodies everywhere they're shoving them in the parks there's so many of them doesn't seem to be reflected in any sort of excess mortality for the year anyway don't question that of course you should question that. So, yes, the New York Post, again, just one of many outlets, but one that was particularly egregious in following this story of burying the dead on Hard Island. So many bodies, they don't know what to do with them. A fact that I debunked way back in my podcast on lies, damned lies, and coronavirus statistics back in the early stages of the scandemic. These are the types of hysterical, hyperventilating reports that people are getting completely contextless without the actual reporting to let you know that, no, this is not some unprecedented new thing that's taking place only because of the mass amounts of people who are dropping like flies from COVID-19. You can garner that from... Obviously, different sources. For example, Reason.com had this article up on April 10th, the same day that de Blasio admitted that coronavirus victims have been buried on Heart Island. I can't believe it. Mass graves in the United States. I never thought we would have seen it. But Reason.com had this article up. No, New York City is not running out of burial space due to COVID-19, in which Elizabeth Nolan Brown writes, Century and a half old Bronx burial site sparks panic on social media. The COVID-19 death toll in New York City right now is chilling, more than 4,400 at last count. So are images of coffins being buried in mass graves. It's hard to see things like that and not feel the weight of those numbers all the more viscerally, which makes it all the more imperative to contextualize and not sensationalize those images. Unfortunately, a lot of professional media has been erring on the side of, look at what America has come to. There are so many dead bodies, they have to start hiring people to dig mass graves. The site cemetery on Hart Island is indeed tragic. It has been for the past 151 years. 
Since 1869, prison labor has been used to bury unclaimed and unidentified New Yorkers in mass graves of 150 adults or 1,000 infants, states the Heart Island Project website. Families of those buried there were only allowed to start visiting in 2014. Since 1980, 68,955 people have been buried in mass graves on Hart Island, notes the project, which is dedicated to telling stories of those laid to rest there. That's around 1,724 people per year, 33 per, per week, or a little under five per day for the past 40 years. New York City Department of Corrections spokesman uh, Jason Kirsten puts the average a little lower, telling Reuters that prison laborers bury around 25 bodies on Hart Island each week. Kirsten now estimates that there are upwards of 100 coffins per week being buried there. So yes, there appears to be a recent spike in burials in these mass graves, but that's not because there are so many dead that the city has run out of burial space elsewhere. It's because more people are dying right now, and that includes people who don't have anyone to claim their bodies. End quote. Well, that puts a little bit more context into this. This is not a new practice. This is a 151-year-old practice. Uh, that the media is just starting to put on their front page and sensationalize. But even Elizabeth Nolan Brown gets it slightly wrong here. It's not simply because there are so many bodies that they uh, that they now have more bodies to bury, more unclaimed bodies to bury. It is also because, as, as is reported way down at the bottom of some of these New York Post articles, no, the uh, New York Med- uh, Medical Examiner's Office has changed their criteria for what counts as an unclaimed body. It used to be 30 days. The, uh, bo- they would hold a body for 30 days. Now they are holding them for 15 days. So there is less of a window for bodies to be claimed, which undoubtedly contributes some to the increase in bodies. That's not to say that people are not dying, that there is no death, but it is to say that even that, even that statistic of how many bodies are are being buried on Hart Island is itself a product of a chain of decisions that have been made in as this crisis is ongoing, things are changing, and the the stats, the way that these numbers are being manipulated, actually changes the outcome of how many bodies get sent to Hart Island, amongst other things. Now, please follow the link in the show notes to go and watch that report in its entirety. Still, a lot of points that were made there that turned out to be surprisingly prescient and accurate, as opposed to what you were seeing in the fake news media at the time. Uh, lies, damned lies, and coronavirus statistics indeed. Well, the New York Post, as I say, deserves this stegosaurus of shame for that dismal piece of fake news propaganda reporting that helped to fuel the hysteria and pandemonium that led to the two weeks to flatten the curve, a two months to flatten, two, 12 months to, two years to flatten, the rest of your life to flatten the curve or something, and so that no one will ever die again, except of everything else other than this horrible COVID that's killing everyone. So the New York Post gets this particular prize, um, but as I say, many outlets shared in that and were spreading, lots of tabloids were spreading that type of propaganda at that time. Now, plenty of more awards, lots more to come, but of course, this is an award show, so we have to take a little break for a word from one of our sponsors. Elon Musk. The brains behind the self-driving Tesla. The genius behind SpaceX. The mastermind of the Cybertruck. Oh my fucking god. 
the ruler of Mars. You know, based on past trends, I am definitely going to be dead before Mars. The richest person in the world. <laughs> and the greatest man of all time. Presents his greatest breakthrough yet. I can't believe it's not human. That's right. While Elon and his crew were busy re-engineering the human brain. In a lot of ways, it's kind of like a Fitbit in your skull with tiny wires. They decided to just do away with the pesky human parts altogether. And the cyborgs they came up with are so good that we guarantee you won't be able to tell the difference between one of our latest cyborg creations and a real human being. Just observe our finest work to date. Musk himself. Yes, I can't believe it's not human can reveal now for the first time that our founder and overlord Elon Musk is in fact an example of our Humomatic 2000 series of cyborgs. Very good to meet you. Yes. What's going on? Cold nothingness. With I Can't Believe It's Not Human, we will transform you from a living, breathing human being into a cybernetically perfected transhuman cyborg. And if all that wasn't awesome enough, order now and we'll throw in a free copy of one of our early test models. Mark Zuckerberg. And the best part of all, it's completely free. That's right. Just sign over your brain, your body, your identity, and your mortal soul to the I Can't Believe It's Not Human Corporation in partnership with the World Economic Forum, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, ID2020, and Gavi Vaccine Alliance, and we'll do the upgrade for free. I Can't Believe It's Not Human. Because what could go wrong? Ah, Elon, what a character. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the fourth annual Fake News Awards. Fret not, there are many more endowments of opprobrium to be bestowed on the disgraced recipients of the Fake News Awards tonight. And as you know, 2020 was an active year for fake news, but not just on the fake news scamdemic front. There were other things going on in the world, so let's set our sights on some different pieces of of disgusting propaganda. So, tonight's next award will go to Best Orwellian Double Think of the Year. And the prize goes to Ali Velshi for It is not generally speaking unruly, but fires have been started. So, again, there are fires, as, as you mentioned at the top of the show, there are at least four fires that I can see. And that's just in this uh, small radius that Morgan and I are in. Uh, obviously, some of them are very active. This one is now, as you can see, very obviously spread to the, uh, the buildings on either side of it, the liquor store and the shop to the left. But there's no ability, and I just think we have to, we have to remember this. The National Guard has been activated. Uh, they are not here. The police are not here. The police have been evacuated. The fire engines can't get in here. There is no ability to bring anybody in here to solve this problem. So I, I, I want to be clear in how I characterize this. This is a, mostly a protest. Uh, it is not. Uh, it is not generally speaking unruly. But fires have been started, and and there is a crowd that is relishing that. 
Now, as I know you know by now, you seasoned navigators of fake news, you, you understand that the term doublethink was coined by Eric Blair, a.k.a. George Orwell, back in my favorite work of nonfiction, 1984, which includes this passage. Winston sank his arms to his sides and slowly refilled his lungs with air. His mind slid away into the labyrinthine world of doublethink. To know and not to know. To be conscious of complete truthfulness while telling carefully constructed lies. To hold simultaneously two opinions which cancelled out, knowing them to be contradictory and believing in both of them. To use logic against logic. To repudiate morality while laying claim to it. To believe that democracy was impossible and that the party was the guardian of democracy. To forget whatever it was necessary to forget, then to draw it back into memory again at the moment when it was needed, and then promptly to forget it again. And above all, to apply the same process to the process itself. That was the ultimate subtlety. Consciously to induce unconsciousness, and then, once again, to become unconscious of the act of hypnosis you had just performed. Even to understand the word doublethink involved the use of doublethink. Now, strangely enough, I, I, I've heard people say that 1984 was intended as a work of fiction. Oh no, that was straight, cold, sober reality. An instruction guide for tyrants of the 20th and 21st century, if you will. And they've taken it on board. And if there was any lingering doubt about that, one need only look at what has transpired in the fake news media over the course of 2020. Double think everywhere. And there are no shortage of people who could have, would have, and should have won the award for best double think of 2020 from the people who were saying that these lockdown protesters were spreading these horrible germs and they're, they're the super spreaders who are going to kill us all to being the exact same group of doctors who would say, oh, but the, the BLM protests are perfectly safe and everybody's totally cocooned in the shell of woke happiness in those protests. So they're perfectly fine. Double think. You better believe it. Or uh, these these protests are fiery but peaceful. Double think. Or uh, uh, there's so many different examples. Oh, these these protests are great, but but those horrible protests over there those are those are the wrong kind of protests. Again and again and again. Double think. Oh, the flu has disappeared from the face of the planet. You see, lockdowns work. Also, COVID cases are increasing everywhere. We better increase the lockdowns. Double think. Always double think. Oh, then the number of deaths are going up as a result of the lockdowns. That means we should have locked down harder and faster. Double think. Double think. Double think. So as I say, there are no shortage of people who could have won this award. Perhaps the real runner-up is the CNN Chiron writer uh, writing about fiery but peaceful protests. The the phrase heard around the world and instantly memefied because people could see that quite directly for the uh, the obvious double-think that it was, but I think Ali Velshi articulated that double-think the best with not generally speaking unruly, but fires have been started. <laughs> double-think. Again, every single one of the perpetrators of the double-think of 2020 deserve their share of this dino. Hopefully, Ali Velshi will share it around. All right, moving right along. Let's move on to the next award. This one goes to the best suppression of a real news story. And the award goes to NPR for their refusal to cover 
the Hunter Biden story. Oh, that's right. You might have forgotten, but during the selection cycle chaos, the planned induced pre pre uh, forethought chaos of the 2020 selection cycle, there were many, many different events that occurred, including, of course, the, the Hunter Biden laptop story, which you probably didn't hear about if you only follow the MSM fake news, because, well, that's fake news. We can't cover that. We're not going to cover that. And in fact, that was the general consensus. And of course, Twitter even went so far as to take the New York Post, which, as we know, is perpetrators of fake news themselves, but take them off uh, take their their Twitter account down and stop them from posting anything to Twitter, the, one of the largest newspapers in the United States, because they dared to post a story about Hunter Biden's laptop and the information that may be contained on that. And you had outlet after outlet coming out and saying that they weren't going to cover it. NPR put it quite blatantly that they were not going to cover the story because there's no evidence that there's anything to this whatsoever. A point that they had to, well, they didn't have to retract, in fact. I was going to say they had to retract later on, but in fact they didn't. They never ever retracted that statement or that 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 editorial policy, even when it did come out. Oh yeah, well, there is there is actually a Department of Justice investigation going on at the laptop. And, you know, there's no one's denying that these emails are real, but still, at any rate, whatever. Don't look over there for whatever reason we tell you was what NPR eventually ended up saying. Now, I... I can't articulate how insane just that alone, if 2020 was nothing other than that example of taking a very real news story that has very real news news worthiness in general, but implications for the future of the United States, taking one of the largest newspapers in the United States off of Twitter for daring to post an article that was apparently, I guess, against the wrong team, I, I cannot adequately articulate just how crazy a precedent that is. So I'll hand the mic over to Dave Smith of the Part of the Problem uh, podcast, who I think articulated this well just a few weeks ago. But what happened here was not simply that the corporate press suppressed a story so that Joe Biden could get elected or, or suppressed a story that could hurt him potentially. That is one aspect of it, and that certainly happened. Uh, MSNBC and CNN and the New York Times and, and by the way, NPR, the, the news organization that you're, uh, that you're robbed to pay for. They also said they wouldn't be talking about the story because it was beneath their, uh, their, their listeners or something like their readers. Um, so yes, it was, it was wildly suppressed by the corporate press, but there was more to it than that. There was also the big tech companies. Now, that was a big part of it, too. They crossed lines that they've never crossed before. Um, certainly, they have, uh, you know, kicked people off of their, their networks and things like that. But this was quite a bit different. This was a situation where they not only were booting people off of social media for talking about the story, they banned the link so that people could not share the article to the original New York Post story, and they froze the New York Post's Twitter account. They actually uh, silenced one of the biggest newspapers in the world, the top five biggest newspapers in the country, because they were running a story that was going to damage one of the political candidates. Okay, so that is and, and the story, by the way, has not not one hole has been poked in the story. It's just gotten stronger over time. 
um, the more that's been verified, the more we verified that what they were saying is in fact correct. Um, and so that is, that is a really big story that like the, the fact that the corporate press and the big tech companies are, you know, in on this together, working together, uh, cooperating, colluding, that's a big story. Dave Smith of Part of the Problem podcast. And yeah, I think at the very least, people in 2021 cannot act surprised at all this censoring and deplatforming that's going on with these big tech controlled corporate and big tech monopolies. I can't believe they're doing this. No, of course, we've seen it coming for many, many years haven't we? And we've talked about it many, many times here on The Corporate Report. I have done report after report on it for years and years, warning people about what's coming. But at the very least, even the normiest of normies, the most asleep of the asleep, will have seen this spill out in the past few months. Or will they have seen that? Well, not if they're watching the MSM, because the MSM won't report on it, just like NPR. No, we're not going to talk about that. Because it's not, it's a waste of time. And of course, then they cooperate and collaborate with the big tech monstrosity in order to censor the story. And just as a little bit of a follow-up to this, of course, it is funny to see the way the fact-checkers of the fact-check fake news scam industry tie themselves into pretzel knots of twisted logic in order to try to say that even though they were wrong about the Hunter Biden story, and yes, he is under investigation, and yes, there are shenanigans, it doesn't matter because we were ultimately right somehow. It's just funny to watch them squirrel themselves into that corner and uh, try to make it look as if they've been right all along, even when they were wrong. Surprise, surprise. So, yes, once again, many different outlets could share in this Award of shame, but uh, NPR takes the cake for their public editor's ridiculous comments on that particular story. So let's move on to the next award, and let's turn our attention back to the Scamdemic story of 2020. And this time we're going to look at the award for Lockdown Hypocrite of the Year. And the prize goes to Neil Ferguson for breaking the very lockdown orders that he himself helped bring about kind of a funny one james but it just just blasts the hypocrisy just right out the window uk government scientist neil ferguson resigns after breaking lockdown rules to meet his married lover the scientist whose advice prompted british prime minister boris johnson to lock down britain resigned from his government advisory position on tuesday night as the telegraph can reveal he broke social distancing rules to meet his married lover we are grabbing this from the telegraph but we are using archive.is so we're not giving them any extra traffic professor neil ferguson allowed the woman to visit him at home during the lockdown while lecturing the public on the need for strict social distancing in order to reduce the spread of the Rona. Woman lives with her husband and their children in another house. The epidemiologist leads the team at Imperial College London that produced the computer-modeled research that showed how Building 7... Oh, wait, that's a different uh, government scientist. Computer-modeled research that led to the national lockdown, which claimed more than half a million Britons would die without the measures. Ferguson has frequently appeared in the media to support the lockdown and praise the very intensive social distancing measures. The revelation of the illegal trysts will infuriate millions of couples living apart and banned by the government from meeting upon during the lockdown. Now in its uh, seventh week, if you're keeping score. 
on at least two occasions. And basically this article gets into how they were sneaking off into the night. Antonia Stotts, S-T-A-A-T-S, 38, traveled across London from her home in the south of the capital to spend time with the government scientist nicknamed Professor Lockdown. The 51-year-old Ferguson, so he's got to get him a younger lady, had only just finished a two-week spell of self-isolating after testing positive for the Rona. I deeply regret any undermining of the clear messages around the continued need for social distancing to control this devastating pandemic. The government guidance is unequivocal and is there to protect all of us. Yes, yes, yes. Protect all of us. And by us, I mean you. Disgusting. Yes, for those who have been keeping track tonight, you might have noticed that every single one of these award categories has dozens, if not hundreds, of potential recipients. People who could have, would have, should have been nominated or even won these various prizes. Perhaps no field is more jam-packed with possible nominations than Lockdown Hypocrite of the Year Award. I started compiling a list many, many months ago, um, but it just got too large to keep track of anymore. There are Dozens, if not hundreds, probably thousands of examples of the very same would-be rulers and misleaders who claim to be to have the moral authority to tell people what to do with their lives or to shut themselves in their own home show time and time and time again throughout this entire scamdemic that they don't believe it for one second. Those rules don't apply to us, the the leaders of society. They only apply to you, you little peons. <laughs> and we saw that exact mentality, as I alluded to earlier, with Governor Cuomo's Thanksgiving. Yeah, of course, I'm going to have Thanksgiving with my family, but you shouldn't. And not even seeming to be aware that there was anything anything that might come across wrong in that uh, until he received the public backlash. Exactly as, for example, the mayor of Denver Similarly, lecturing the public, stay home, don't visit your family, Thanksgiving is cancelled, flying to visit his family for Thanksgiving, because again, it doesn't apply to me, it applies to you guys out there. Or uh, Governor Newsom, of course, in California, whose winery closures and lockdown orders affected a number of different wineries in California, but not Newsom's. Wow, funny how that works, huh? Or uh, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. You might remember when it came out, oh, well, she's allowed to break the lockdown rules that she's giving to everyone else to have her hair appointment go uh, as scheduled, as usual, because, well, she's she's a public figure. She's in the public eye. She's in national media. So, of course, yeah, no, these rules don't apply to me. You didn't think that, did you? Ha, 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 you little peons. Uh, think about television's Dr. Mike, who uh, took to Instagram, to lecture his his Instagram followers that you got to mask up, don't think twice before you travel, social distance, and then of course gets caught on tape partying it up, cavorting around shirtless, maskless with bikini-clad women on beaches in Miami. Because again, I'm Dr. Mike, I can do this, but you guys should seal yourselves in your home and not come out until we tell you otherwise. There's the uh, Chicago Teacher Union Board uh, member who uh, faced a bit of criticism after uh, lecturing people about the need for remote learning. We, it's too dangerous. We, can't, we have to social distance. We have to keep children at, at homes. We, we can't teach in schools anymore. It's just too dangerous for us teachers. And then goes and parties it up uh, on vacation in the Caribbean. Because, again, 
Doesn't matter. These rules don't apply to me. We can look at the reporters themselves of the fake news media, literally going around reporting uh, on the scene. Look at all these maskless people, these super spreaders. They're going to kill grandma. Look at me. I'm a, I'm a good citizen. I'm all masked up as I'm supposed to be. And then you have the people, the, the other view from the cell phone camera of someone saying, look, his cameraman isn't wearing a mask. <laughs> he, why, why are you wearing it? Why are you pretending to put one on for this one report so that you can lecture the public about how important this mask wearing is? Why don't you talk to your own cameraman? Hmm? Uh, again, there are no, there's no end to the number of uh, violations of these these rules that are made by usually the people who are making the rules themselves, but other uh, the other people who are just lecturing others about them. But if there is a an actual runner up to this award, it would have to go to Nancy Brazilian blowout Pelosi. Speaking of lockdown for thee, not for me. Yes, of course. Yeah, again. Oh, yes. I. I get to have my hair appointments and I can do whatever I want. I can, I can do, I can break any of these rules because they're not for me. They are for you. Bonus points, of course, to go to Nancy Pelosi for let them eat ice cream. You might remember that, uh, that incident on, uh, the, uh, I don't even remember which late night show it was. It's all inconsequential, isn't it? Just MSM trash. Or uh, from the beginning of the scamdemic. In fact, before the real beginning of the, the scamdemic pandemonium in the U.S., going down to Chinatown, hug a, hug a Chinese person. We're all in it together. This is, there's nothing to fear but fear itself. And then, well, you guys didn't lock down the country quick enough. That was the problem. Yeah, I was on it from before it was uh, a thing. So Nancy Pelosi absolutely deserves scorn and vitriol for her detestable and lamentable actions throughout the year, years, but the 2020 in particular. And just as a bit of schadenfreude, just as a, just as a funny little bow on all of this, of course, it was, it was funny to see that uh, when the, uh, the, 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 the capital insurrectionists who were let in and uh, definitely many shenanigans going on there, took the picture of Pelosi's assistant's computer with the email folder open. Oh, there is an entire email folder in Pelosi's assistant's uh, uh, computer for hair appointments, of course. Of course. I mean, it all comes full circle. So, yes, plenty of scorn and vitriol to go around for this particular shameful dino. But uh, I, I hope people don't lose sight of the real meaning of this, because it's easy just to say, oh, these are hypocrites. But no, really think about what this means. It isn't just that they think that these rules only apply to you, not to them. Of course, that is part of it. But more to the point, by their actions, they are showing that they know that this scandemic is not dangerous. Neil Ferguson didn't break those rules because he thought he's some sort of superhuman who's immune to this. No, he knows that it's all nonsense, that these rules are not necessary, that the lockdowns are not necessary. Do not listen to what he says. Listen to what he is showing you with his actions, a point that I tried to stress when we covered this on New World Next Week last year. And yeah, let's stress and, and underline the point of this story, because yes, I'm not here to cast judgments on people's personal relations, whatever, but that is not what this is about. This is about the person, one of the key architects of this lockdown madness that has spread around much of the world. It, it shows by his actions, not what he says, but by his actions, shows 
that this is nonsense, that he doesn't believe these things that he is preaching. That is the important part of this. And anyone who was who was on that team of, yes, we need to shut down everything, and if you step outside, you're killing grandma and all of that, anyone who was on that team and sees this and is not incensed at the the not just the hypocrisy it's not about hypocrisy it's about the fact that they lied to you this person is outright lying to you he shows by his actions that this is not ne- he does not think this is necessary but he's telling you to do it now you guys should do this i'm not going to do it but you guys should do it because you guys it's very important that you guys do it so he's showing by his actions that this is a lie it is hard to think of anything more disgusting than people who would advocate shutting down economies, locking people in their homes, increasing the amount of unemployment, of poverty, of starvation, of suicides, of genuine medical emergencies going untreated because of these lockdowns. All of the untold human misery being called by being caused by people like Ferguson and the many many others who didn't even believe one word of it never believed that these lockdowns were necessary at all and demonstrated it time and time again throughout 2020 by their actions do not listen to what these liars demonstrated liars say watch what they do so at the very very least we can give Neil Ferguson a dino for his disgusting fake news from 2020. And of course, that wasn't the only fake news that Neil Ferguson was involved with, a point that we will stress again shortly. But we're going to move on. There is more fake news to cover and another award to dish out. This one, Fakest Science Story of the Year. And the award goes to... The BBC for Oxford COVID vaccine safe and effective study shows the Oxford AstraZeneca COVID vaccine is safe and effective, giving good protection, researchers have confirmed in the Lancet Journal. Most in the study were younger than 55, but the results so far indicate it does work well in older people too. The data also suggest it can reduce spread of COVID as well as protect against illness and death. What turgid, propagandistic crap that was dismantled by Corbett Report guest, Corbett Report member, and a very good article writer, Ian Davis of in-this-together.com, who wrote a lengthy piece and a well-researched piece on what vaccine trials last month, in which he picked apart many different parts of the vaccine narrative that's going around right now, including this particular BBC report. Reading from that article, he noted that on December the 8th, the BBC reported a study in The Lancet and categorically stated the Oxford AstraZeneca COVID vaccine is safe and effective, giving good protection, researchers have confirmed. The BBC had no justification to make this claim. The study in The Lancet did not confirm anything of the sort. The researchers wrote... Chadox 1, NCOV-19, has an acceptable safety profile and has been found to be efficacious against symptomatic COVID-19 in this interim analysis of ongoing clinical trials. This was an interim analysis funded by, among others, CEPI and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. The analysis was based upon trials which are years from completion 
and haven't reported anything. The researchers also stated there were no peer-reviewed publications available on efficacy of any severe acute respiratory syndrome coronavirus 2 SARS-CoV-2 vaccines. There is no clear scientific evidence establishing either, either the safety or efficacy of proposed COVID-19 vaccines. The BBC and other MSM reports that this evidence exists are false. Categorically false. 100% is the case. And yes, Ian Davis nails it there with that part of that analysis and more generally in that larger article about what vaccine trials. A very good question. Everything that the fake news media has been reporting about the vaccines, their safety, their efficacy, etc., has been fake news from top to bottom, a point that I made in meticulous detail in the future of vaccines. I really hope that you get that report out to absolutely every person that you know who is even contemplating thinking about taking these vaccines, because I'm willing to bet they cannot even tell you what these vaccines are even intended, supposedly, according to the manufacturers themselves, to do, what they have not been designed to do, what kinds of trials they have undergone, and what trials they have not undergone, and what has been reported from those trials. I guarantee you, not a single person in your life that you know who is willing to take those vaccines can can understand even the basics of that, let alone the deeper problems surrounding these vaccines that, as many note correctly, are not vaccines in any sense you have ever understood them. They are gene therapy that is being sold to the public as vaccines, at least specifically when we talk about Moderna and uh, and and Pfizer-BioNTech, their versions of the vaccine. The Oxford-AstraZeneca is just an en- genetically engineered uh, chimpanzee virus. I mean, phew, what's the... What, the t- shut up, conspiracy theorists. Stop asking for actual trials that actually demonstrate safety and efficacy. Just take it... Take the word of the BBC when they say that The Lancet has reported that these vaccines are safe and effective, even though The Lancet said nothing of the sort... Just more fake news. The BBC absolutely deserves this award for that disgusting piece of propaganda and fake news that is putting people's lives in jeopardy. Now, having made that very serious note, I would like to prepare the audience for the fake news story of 2021. Uh, Sorry, 2020. I get ahead of myself. But before we do that... Let's go through some honorable mentions, because as I said, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of stories that really did deserve a fake news award over the course of the past year, and I did put out the call last week for Corporate Report members to leave their own nominations in the announcement thread at CorbettReport.com, and I am going to put that link in the show notes so that you can go and read through the comments that were left there. There are many many, many deserving submissions of turgid pieces of fake news propaganda that were submitted, nominated for these awards, and I wish I could go through each and every single one of these stories, but unfortunately time uh, is not something that we have on our side, but I will leave it to you on your time to go through that list. There are many, 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 many things that could, would, and should be highlighted. For example, Corba Report member Mini leaving uh, a, a suggestion, a nomination for Neil Ferguson, who, of course, we have seen already tonight, uh, and his fake Imperial College model, uh, estimating millions of deaths in the U.S., 
and hundreds, tens of thousands in the UK. Oh, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be pandemonium, bedlam. Oh, wait, did I, did I say that? Oops, let's walk that back. That story, of course, another egregious piece of fake news from the past year. Uh, Stevo, uh, nominating the mysterious China seed story that floated through the newswires like a fart in the wind last year and mysteriously vanished as quickly as it came. Uh, Birdie talking about the uh, died with versus died of fake news. That was a key part underlining the case-demic, the scam-demic, as we've seen it play out over 2020. Uh, Big Al nominating the shifting origin of the flying bat-aids or whatever this is story as it continued to evolve through the fake news media over the course of 2020. Uh, Cepito nominating the corona-sniffing dogs. Yeah, the, the dog barked. That's enough. That's all we need to know to throw you into quarantine. Uh, again, I cannot stress how many different deserving nominations there were in that thread that I don't have time to go through, including people like CZU and others who were nominating various things that actually did make it into the awards. So my apologies for not giving the hat tip to absolutely everyone who did contribute to that thread, but I will just give a collective hat tip to all of you. Thank you for your nominations, and I hope people will use that thread as a resource to look into more examples of fake news. But now it is time to unveil the winner of the fake news story of 2020, the fake news story of the year. But first, a word from another sponsor. So, you've graduated from medical school. You've studied hard. You've worked hard. And now you're ready to join the fight and become a member of our proud frontline medical workers. But let's face it, you just can't dance. How are you going to help keep the world safe during the most deadly pandemic in the history of the universe if you don't post TikTok videos from your empty hospital? Do you really think your awkward Elaine Bennis herky-jerky dance is going to cut it? No. That's why you need Dancing for Doctors, the best dance instruction program for doctors, nurses, and orderlies. With Dancing for Doctors, you'll go from this to this in no time flat or your money back. This is not an actual guarantee. Some conditions apply. Please consult your doctor before beginning any physical regimen. No refunds for COVID vaccine-induced paralysis. Dancing for Doctors. You didn't think knowing how to heal the sick was important, did you? Fantastic. Just fantastic. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time of the evening that I know you've been on the edge of your seat for all the way since last year, the last time we announced the fake news story of the year, and I hope you'll go back to previous editions of this fake news awards to check out previous dishonorees of the dinos. But it is time for the fake news story of the year. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I hold in my hand the envelope with the winning entry for fake news story of 2020. Let me unwrap this elaborately wrapped Japanese congratulatory envelope. All right, and the winner of the 2020 fake news award is the COVID scandemic. All right, well, that's it. That's all we have time for, ladies and gentlemen. 
have a good night and uh, okay all right i think i did that same gag last year but i'll keep doing it because i find it funny all right obviously the entire year was in some sense from start to finish top to bottom fake news wall to wall nothing but and unfortunately that fake news about fake things had very real consequences in the lives of billions of people around the world including every single person who is listening to my voice right now so it is uh, almost mind-boggling to think of picking out one particular story from the past year that would be particularly deserving of the title of fake news story of the year so take this particular story and its particular instantiation as more of a general sign of what happened over the course of the past year. But the actual winner for fake news story of the year goes to Bloomberg. For coronavirus is 10 times deadlier than seasonal flu, Fauci says, in which they report on a meeting with the U.S. Uh, House Oversight and Reform Committee from March of this past year, in which Dr. Esteemed, renowned expert, overlord Tony Fauci made a very important statement about the then novel coronavirus. Namely, the novel coronavirus spreading around the globe is 10 times more lethal than the seasonal flu, the government's top infectious disease official told a House hearing, where he warned the U.S. must, US must take serious mitigation efforts now. Bottom line, it's going to get worse. Fauci said, and you don't have to take Bloomberg's word for it or anyone else's, although there were plenty of stories that were made on the back of this particular committee meeting. You can go actually watch Fauci deliver these words himself. Probably for the practical understanding of the American people, the seasonal flu that we deal with every year has a mortality of 0.1%. The stated mortality overall of this, when you look at all the data, including China, is about 3%. It first started off as 2 and now 3 I think if you count all the cases of minimally symptomatic or asymptomatic infection, that probably brings the mortality rate down to somewhere around 1%, which means it is 10 times more lethal than the seasonal flu. I think that's something that people can get their arms around and understand. Something that the public can get their arms around, right? Except for the fact that it is fake news. False. 100% documentably, certifiably wrong. And I say that quite advisedly because I did write about this in my newsletter back last October under the title, The Worst Miscalculation in Human History. Miscalculation, of course, is in sneer quotes, as it should be, because one wonders, oops, was this just an innocent mistake? Hmm, well, I'll let you be the judge, but as I go on to point out in this article, I cite uh, the research of Ronald B. Brown of the School of Public Health and Health Systems at the University of Waterloo, who published a paper in Cambridge Press's Disaster Medicine and Public Health Preparedness Journal this past August, arguing that Anthony Fauci's testimony to Congress on March 11th of this year was not just misleading, but downright disastrous. Long story short, Brown contends that Fauci's testimony confused case fatality rate and infection fatality rate, leading to the 
miscalculation that the novel coronavirus was ten times deadlier than the average flu. Brown reached out to a number of media outlets about this, seemingly the biggest story of the year, but he only received one response. That response came from John C.A. Manley, an independent Canadian journalist fighting the mainstream COVID narrative at Much Ado About Corona.ca. As Brown told Manley about his paper, the manuscript cites the smoking gun documented evidence showing that the public's overreaction to the coronavirus pandemic was based on the worst miscalculation in the history of humanity, in my opinion. My manuscript underwent an intensive peer review process. Tellingly, Brown adds, you, as in John Manley, are the first media guy who has responded to my invitation. End quote. Absolutely disgusting, isn't it? Truly, truly the blockbuster story. If there was some sort of conspiracy, uh, uh, all the reporters would be scrambling to report that story. Oh, you silly conspiracy theorists. Oh, of course the media wants to tell you some big sensational juicy story like the worst miscalculation in human history. Okay, well, here it is. I'm crickets. Bloomberg and everyone else, all of the other, and trust me, all of the other outlets dutifully reported it when Fauci gave his testimony. Ten times more deadly than the flu. This is this is the scourge. This is the big one, folks. Buckle down. We're going to have to lock down. Two weeks to flatten. Two months to flatten. Two years to flatten. Two hundred years to flatten the curve. And not a single mainstream fake news propaganda media outlet would report on this paper by Ronald B. Brown. Oh, they'll report on Lancet studies finding AstraZeneca's COVID vaccine totally 100% safe and effective. 10,000% safe and effective, folks. Wait, that isn't what the Lancet reported? Ah, well, whatever. Close enough, right? But they will not touch a story like this one with a 10-foot pole. Yes. So exactly as Kerry Mullis told us in his own words, not fake news, guys, fact check that, Kerry Mullis told us in his own words that he thought Fauci was a liar and incompetent, didn't know what he was talking about. Well, here's here's proof positive of all of that. I mean, I, I guess the best defense that could be mustered for Fauci in all of this is that maybe he is too much of an idiot to know the difference between case fatality rate and infection fatality rate, and thus actually, you know, doggone it, all the top minds here at the National Institute for Infectious Disease, we just couldn't figure out that difference. And so we, oops, uh, we kind of said it was 10 times deadlier than the flu. We didn't mean that, though. It's actually not even nearly as close to death. Oh, oh, well, anyway, let's move along, guys. Really? Really? So that's your best argument. Of course, more realistically, as I think my audience is well-situated to know, yes, this isn't a miscalculation at all. The entire scamdemic is, of course, just the perfect vehicle for forwarding the entire checklist of the agenda of the very same people who were running simulations of a coronavirus pandemic back in October October 2019. Yeah, just total coincidence, guys. You silly conspiracy theorists. As we all know, everything is a coincidence, and if you think otherwise, you will be censored from the internet. So this is the very essence of fake news. As I say, this doesn't necessarily mean this particular story, especially this particular article from Bloomberg, was the worst story of 2020, but it encapsulates all of the other nonsense stories that we've been fed. It is the root of the problem that we 
do cannot, do not, should not ever, ever rely on these fake news corporate media to report on something that could be the biggest story of the year. Here it is. Fauci was... A, lying, or B, such an incompetent boob that he does not know basic epidemiological terms and thus cannot make basic calculations and will thus vast, grossly overestimate deaths as a result of this scamdemic. That's a pretty big story, I think you'll admit, but crickets from Bloomberg or anyone else, of course there's no retraction, of course there's no update, of course there's no, oops, this might have been wrong. None. Zero. You will find none of that. You have to turn to muchadoaboutcorona.ca or other independent outlets to try to even find an inkling that this story even happened. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Fauci was completely wrong, documentably certifiably wrong, here's the peer-reviewed paper going through it, all the epidemiological detail. Of course, I will link the actual paper in the show notes so you can go read it for yourself. As always, don't take my word for it. This is not what the alternative media should be about anyway. Take my word for it. No, they're liars, but just listen to me, and I won't provide any evidence. No, go read the paper. I will link everything that I'm talking about today. Unlike the corporate media, which just says, oh yeah, Fauci said these things, we won't even link you to the actual press conference, which, this is the internet age, guys. You can watch it for yourself. We won't even do that. We'll just we'll just write about it. We'll tell you he said this stuff. And then we'll tell you to f- how you, how afraid you should be. And then we'll have the fact checkers come along later to try to fact check anyone who goes against any of this nonsense, documentable lies. Oh, ten times deadlier than the flu? Ah, uh, you know, let's, let's ne- never speak of that again. But it is wrong, and it is fake news. And it was purveyed, again, not just by Bloomberg, but by many, many outlets, which really does speak to another aspect of this problem, which is that there is no independent reporting from within the corporate mainstream fake news lapdog uh, press that is just mouthing and repeating everything they are told is because all it is is stenography. Oh, Fauci said this today. Zero reporting, zero reflection, zero input from anyone, I don't know, who actually knows about epidemiology. No, why Why bother? The, the news is that Fauci said this, and now we will tell you what he said and what he said that you think, what you should think as a result of what he said. That's our job as the press, right, guys? Fake news, mission accomplished. That is the essence of fake news. So, again... I mean, fill in the blank for so many stories over the past year. More than I can even think off the top of my head, let alone possibly articulate here. Uh, Neil Ferguson and the Imperial College model that millions dead, guys, millions dead in the U.S. Unless we lock down now, which leads, again, ostensibly to the lockdowns. Well, look, the Imperial College is saying this. And they're funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, so how could they be wrong? There are so many aspects to this, so many different instantiations, so many different ways of looking at this Blackbird, but it's the same Blackbird. It's the same scam at base. There are interests that literally pay organizations to produce reports that just line up perfectly with the agenda of these organizations, and then... They are reported on by media outlets that themselves receive grant funding from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and their ilk that then line up with Gavi, the Vaccine Alliance, and ID2020 and all of these other organizations linked at the hip. And now it's coming out, oh, Microsoft is part of this new coalition of big tech companies that's going to come out with the COVID vaccine passports. Yay! 
They're here to save the day from the problem that they helped fund into existence, yay, through the fake news that was pumped into the public's brain. So, I, there's, it's difficult for me to articulate. This is the essence of what is happening right now. It is an interlocking web, and as I have pointed out, it is an information war. It is a battle for your mind, which is why I think we should probably end today's festivities on a slightly different note, not just anger or frustration at the poor, credulous folks of the world who would believe the lies of the mainstream media, but to reflect on the nature of the dino, the dinosaur award that, again, chosen very specifically because the stranglehold over the information uh, that occupies the brains of the public uh, for so long, for all of, I imagine, all of the, the lives of all of the listeners of this, this program, that is ending. That paradigm is ending. And the corporate media fake news purveyors do not have that stranglehold of information at this precise moment. They are regaining it, desperately trying to regain it. That is exactly, again, the essence of this deplatforming censorship that's going on right now, trying to remove any dissenting voices. You can't say this online. You can't say that online. That's exactly what's happening right now, because the dinosaurs are suddenly looking around and going, I can't believe it. It looks like we're dinosaurs. We're donezo. We better, we, we better move. Okay, now we're on the internet, and we're going to make the internet into exactly like the three channels of old. You can choose from this flavor or this flavor or this flavor, but don't you dare choose a different product. Don't go somewhere else. Don't watch anything. No, you guys can't talk amongst each other. We're going to turn the comment section off on all of these fake news platforms so that you can't <laughs> communicate with each other. Yahoo News now has the same message up that they've had for over a year now, I think. You know, we're working on a way to facilitate better discussion. So we've turned off the comments on all of our articles. <laughs> there is no greater sign that people are waking up to the fact that the fake news purveyors are the enemy of the people, the enemy of civilization, because they perpetrate frauds like the scamdemic that have gripped the public's imagination over the past year. And more and more people are falling out of that narrative matrix. So welcome to the fold if you have joined the reality-based community in the past year because of the craziness of what is going on. I do welcome you and hope that you can get up to speed very quickly because there is a lot to learn in a very short amount of time because we do not have a lot of uh, time before voices like mine will be scrubbed from all of the main platforms. And when it's gone, flick of a switch, all those archives are gone from the controlled platforms. They're not gone from my website. They're not gone from all of the various places that I've stashed my material on the, online over the years. The, the bit shoots and the mines and the libraries and other places besides. Uh, IPFS, it's, I have an entire backup of my entire site there. So it's not gone, but the mainstream controlled platforms, it will be gone. And all you will have is the fake news purveyors. That will be all that exists if they have their way through all of this. So, on the note upon which I began this year by Stop Watching Propaganda, my first and last edition of Propaganda Watch for this year, uh, I did say 
It is time to stop watching the propagandists and scrutinizing their every lie, debunking everything they say, chasing their tail, constantly always following them and their narrative in order to debunk it or whatever you're going to do with that. It's time to stop doing that. Turn it off. These are dinosaurs. Get rid of them. They are not necessary in your life. And that is part of our power. Uh, there's many, many other things that we need to be doing, but that is one significant thing that we should stop doing uh, to the extent possible. Stop listening to the liars, even just to point out that they're lying. We know it. We get it. Okay. Yes, they're lying. Every time they open their mouths, they are lying. Get it. All right, done. Now, now what? And that's the next step. And building the communities uh, based on reality and truth that will be necessary to see us through what promises to be some very trying times. So it's not all doom and gloom. And we can't laugh at the stupidity of these idiots who are expecting that the public's going to continue going along with these lies all the way to the slaughterhouse. Well, hopefully not uh, not the people in this audience anyway, right? On that note, haha, yay, another another giddy edition of the Fake News Awards. But in a sense, I think it is important to laugh at the ridiculous nature of the propaganda and then dismiss it and stop watching it. Stop giving your mind time to these known documentable liars. We have dished out the awards of dishonor, and now let's turn back to the task of building the world we want to see come into existence, and I hope you will continue to be here with me as I continue to do that throughout the coming year with Solutions Watch and my other interviews, podcasts, and uh, articles and other works besides. On that note, I think we're going to leave it there for tonight, and we're going to close up the awards envelopes and send these off to their recipients, and hopefully we'll be able to continue on with the important work next week. I hope you'll be there to join me. This is James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. Corbett